Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. So, what we are not doing an emergency podcast today, um, in no small part because this episode will probably go up about anywhere between six and nine days after this, uh, but it is pretty notable, I think, that, you know, a few minutes before we got on Skype, uh, Nick Saban... Uh, well, Nick Saban did not announce his retirement, but uh, ESPN and The Athletic reported that Nick Saban is retiring after 17 years at Alabama um, and 72 years on the planet. And this has been like a, it's, it's been sort of a weird day uh, where a lot of uh, a lot of NFL coaches have gotten uh dismissed or in one weird case reassigned um and i i don't know i we i think we all sort of expect that uh jim harbaugh who is fresh off uh what i'm sure was the the biggest celebratory milk bath of his life after winning the national championship on monday i appreciate the way you said that because that indicates there have been other celebratory milk baths and oh, i think that assured, that is true assuredly yeah uh, is can you it, imagine him being in his milk bath and eating a, a couple half bound hamburgers because he definitely did that i Ugh. don't want to imagine that <laughs> yeah <laughs> now you have uh but but what we can all imagine is that he is likely to leave <clears throat> Uh, his job at Michigan for the NFL in part to escape coming sanctions by either the Big Ten or the NCAA. Um, so, you know, all of that has happened. And yet there is still one more uh, one more sort of big towering domino to fall uh in the in the form of the only coach that one of us on this pod i think has ever been particularly devoted to um uh and no ron kevin ron rivera already lost his job um so it is not him uh it's 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 bill belichick who is expected i think to to lose his job in new england after a a truly dog rotten season where nothing went right uh the patriots got shut out by a very bad saints team that uh (laughs) sent arthur smith into hell in the most ridiculous possible way uh but but like this 
all of this tide of coaches leaving tide and and i think you know as we were talking before we started recording like i think we see some some movement on the horizon in the nba too like they're really we're coming to the end of some eras here yeah i i think the era is is kind of us as as malleable sports fans um you said that nick saban had been at alabama for 17 years and i and i in some ways like challenged that uh it, it just because i don't i don't trust that there have been 17 years of me being like Yep, Nick Saban is the Alabama coach, and they have pretty high expectations. That's a really long time, but he's been there that in entire entire time. I mean, Bill Belichick has been the coach of the uh, the Patriots for this entire millennia, right? Um, and Pete Carroll has been the uh, the coach of the Seattle Seahawks, not as celebrated, but have been very consistently good for, I think, right about 20 years as well. And and these are all people that you're like, oh, wow, how could that ever end? It's like, these are people that should be retired. And, and I say that in a way, not that folks who are older can't do the same job, but like, they deserve to not have to do it anymore. They don't have to entertain us anymore. So... I am responding as someone who that has become the uh, teenage into adult life. I'm used to it. And so it feels very upsetting to me, but I need to allow these people to move into the tail end of their lives. But also I am not devoted to any of those folks in the way that maybe Max has been. I think that part of what's interesting with coaches like Pete Carroll, I don't think that Pete Carroll probably done coaching we'll see if someone wants to hire him but at this point you're like do i really want to hire a 72 year old for this organizational leadership job um and you know i know in politics we like to do that but um it with who is we and who is and what do you mean by like (laughs) uh we are forced to do that um but with with players, you're like, oh yeah, he's got two years left, and you might be okay, you might be okay with like taking a quarterback uh, that. But I, you know, I think in a lot of these cases, these coaches, whether they're being fired um, or retiring, it's at the point now where it just might not, like, teams might not want them because of you know their age. Yeah, I, and and I, well, I think that's maybe. I think that might be less I think there might be less impact from that in professional sports but in college and, and I think you know the thing that the thing that Saban retiring reminds me a lot of is the departures in the last few years of Mike Krzyzewski from Duke and Roy Williams from North Carolina in college basketball and and the thing the thing that you know actually even to a a a certain extent the the sort of the end of bobby knight's career uh when he was you know when he was fired at indiana and and sort of saw out the string at texas tech 
was a little bit like this too, you know, in that the, the real undergirding thing is not like that these guys are not able to, you know, or couldn't be good coaches anymore. It's that the game has changed in a way that they don't totally recognize it anymore in the same way. And <clears throat> excuse me. And in college, like, you know, th this is going to sound very sort of like Pollyanna ish and like, Oh, it was a, it was a better time when people stayed for four years, but like, you know, un it was a very recent change comparatively that that duke started you know being the home of super elite recruits who were showing up purely because of the nba's age requirement um you know that was the program of you know players that maybe were not as highly recruited but stuck around and developed um you know, Roy Williams very explicitly talked about transfers uh, and and the way that the transfer portal had changed college, ba college basketball um, as part of the reason for his retirement. And so, like, I, I think I do think these fall into two pretty different buckets, especially since, you know, um coaches and i forget who uh, several people smarter than me have have said this like in college sports the stars are the coaches like they are the faces of the sport for better or worse uh and so it feels i think a little it it typically feels a little more seismic when one of these like totemic long, long serving coaches steps down. Um, mm -hmm. But, <clears throat> but in professional sports, like the closest things we have to that are Belichick and Greg Popovich, who surely at some point has to stop coaching. Yeah. And I think that, that we, you know, before we kind of talked about that. And I think it's a great point about college is, is they define the culture and there's this idea of it's really almost impossible to be, to be the coach of a team, um, to do the cooking and to buy the, the groceries, to, to be the player personnel leader. And that's one of the things with Bill Belichick that's, that's been so notable all this time is like, he does that too. And in these, you know, by the time this comes out, he may have actually, his role, his role almost certainly will have changed with the team, but he's been open to maybe I stop doing that because he does seem to care about owning all of the work streams at, at his business at, or, you know, at the place. Like he really oversees so much of it. And that is wild. That is a lot for anybody to say nothing of someone who's been doing it for over, over 20 years. So yeah, I think it is unique and, and Popovich is a, is a great, um, great one as well uh because they 
they are the culture. Uh, I mean, there's so uh, we're recording this, and yesterday Eric Spolstra of the Heat got a an eight year, hundred and twenty million dollar extension as as a coach. And there are many jokes made about Heat culture, but the thing is, is uh, that is as of this point, like not associated very much with Eric Spolstra. It's more oh Pat Riley and Udonis Haslam. It's like well he's he's been there most of the time and like is he not the the leader of that so maybe he's the next example of this Mm -hmm. but yeah i think that you usually see that in college so to see it in the pros and see a few different people in the pros kind of coming to end at the same time it's interesting i also do want to note that sean out of his deep deep hatred for this man did not mention one james arthur bayheim Junior, and I know he meant he meant to say that Jim Beheim, uh, who is seventy nine, also retired recently, and uh, all the things he said about he got Duke fired. Like, oh, <laughs> anyways, he is done at Syracuse, and he he really built it from from nothing. For as much as you may not like him, uh, he's one of these these folk. Yeah, I think that that's uh, like with with pro coaches now so much of it is um like when you think of the word coach the first thing that comes to my mind is just like oh a high school basketball coach like he is teaching someone how to play the game of basketball and if you think of a nba coach it's this guy just is kind of in charge of things and i've heard and said that like the job of an nba coach is to hire good assistant coaches and beyond that nba coaches don't really you know in terms of the percentage of how much they're changing the team's success it's it's really about who they who they hire and i don't know it feels like every nba team has like 20 assistant coaches now i don't know if that's a lot more than it used to be or just assistant coaches you kind of hear about them more um and kind of the same with with nfl i mean football has always been you have the offensive coordinator defensive coordinator um special teams coach so it's kind of always existed in football but but even so with uh with with football now you there's a lot seems to be a lot more talk about oh who who are who's calling the plays if it is the head coach then they'll talk about it but it's um if a team is being unsuccessful on offense they will be blaming the offensive play caller not the head coach And so I, I think it's it, with like baseball. Uh, you mentioned Joe Torre earlier. Like managers don't even get paid much money now in baseball. <laughs> like the the data data is just used to make all the decisions. So it, yeah, it just I'm saying like the coaching and professional situation seems to really be, uh, you know, it, it's a man. You're a manager, not not a coach. So by that argument, like I, I don't know, as someone who obviously I like Pierce said watched. Belichick all growing up and stuff but you're saying you know these these guys are old they should retire but they have that experience like some team's gonna hire them if they want a job right like if Belichick and Saban is a little different because he's retiring but like I don't know if if Belichick and Carroll want jobs in the NFL they will probably get offers uh, yes, I, purely absolutely. from an experience perspective, and I think I, I don't, there's a debate around like you know how long do you need a coach in there to build up a system and build up a team, but if what they're doing is a full turnaround and they're hiring some people that might outlast them, ideally as an owner, like 
you could do a lot worse. And I think we've seen teams do a lot worse with some of their, some of their head coaching hiring decisions. Um, I would think, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting watching some teams that basically feel like they hire a new head coach like every year and then others that, that never do. Well, so so one of the questions there is whether uh, undoubtedly if Bill Belichick wants to keep coaching, some NFL team will offer him their open job. I don't know necessarily if there will be like a fit where there is, and this is a, this is a thing that happened. We, I remember sort of talking about this uh, with Urban Meyer after he left the Jaguars in in scandal. Um, and, and like, yes, some college team was probably going to offer Urban Meyer a job if he wanted it, but it almost certainly was not going to be a school that, uh, Urban Meyer thought was good enough for Urban Meyer. Um, and, and so like, I, I wonder like, I, cause like if you're Bill Belichick, why would you take the Panthers job? That sounds like a fucking nightmare to yeah. go to go into a situation with a, a more a more meddlesome owner uh, and a team that is really kind of devoid of talent and the ability to acquire more talent because they mortgaged their future on Bryce Young, who david tepper wanted and the the former coach didn't want like you know if the panthers are the only team that offers bill belichick a job i don't know if he takes that job yeah maybe maybe ego maybe right well i think that what i was gonna say is it's it's his ego versus him jeopardizing a pretty spectacular career uh you know there's There's, people it's not i don't know this this year is more damaging to his legacy than next year is going to be, I would think. So the the thing about and and this <laughs> this leads to my point um, of of why I am skeptical that these folks would get another job. Um, maybe not Pete Carroll, but certainly Bill Belichick. Um, so last year, you'll recall that Matt Patricia called plays for them. Matt Patricia is a defensive it, coach. Is a defensive coach, but he's someone that Bill Belichick trusts. And I know over the last, I don't know, however many years, uh, uh, these terms of by other old people leading large groups, uh, loyalty, and I don't know that guy. And that becomes like a barometer for like if if someone is uh, allowable to be a sub leader with you, someone someone on your team and stuff. Um, I actually think that that was really damaging to Belichick last year and and the way I look at it now because what I'm realizing and thinking of what Roy Williams said and and some of the points we've made is these are people that are kind of chief executives of teams they're they're running this business and the way he runs the business and the people he is bringing in the people he is hiring his his running mate the vice president that he picks the one decision he publicly makes and everything it's not working anymore and so if I'm an owner, which you are in uh, 
in entertainment business that the more games you play, ultimately you get paid more and you want success. So people come and they buy things and everything else. And you want to do well. But like, this is someone who's showing you that they are not with the times and they're not as good at running a business anymore. So yeah, could, will Arthur Blank maybe consider like hiring Pete Carroll? Sure. But like, it's not going to work for a lot of reasons. And I think it's totally fair to be like, I am not sure that they're running good at running a business in this day and age. This is not a time where they can build from the ground up. Like this is, you know, they don't, I can't invest in them for that time because they certainly aren't going to be coaching 10 years from now. Well, and to bring that full circle a little bit, think about what's happened. Think about the, the sort of quality level of Alabama offensive coordinators over the last 10-ish years. There was Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, Brian Dayball, Bill O'Brien, Tommy Reese. Like it's it it has been noticeable. Like and I am I am someone who sort of over indexes on SEC football consumption and information. So like I, I have had I think a, a closer seat to this than than you guys. But like it has been noticeably harder for Saban to build out his staff. Like one of the things that made Alabama such an unstoppable program was the the never ending cycle of like former head coaches who would come through for like a two year finishing school stint um, at at the Tuscaloosa home for for wayward coach boys um and so like i I think that's you know i I would not be surprised at all to you know if nick saban were were feeling like he were in a truth-telling mood um and that was one of the things that you know was behind his decision is like it's really hard to build a staff yeah, I think that the way you just framed it is uh, the offensive coordinator job at Alabama was the Blinn College of uh, <laughs> of of like jobs for these coaches because you know Steve Carr, Sarkeesian, and um, uh, and Lane Kiffin like they both won over eleven games this year, and that's laudable and everything else. And like clear, you know, Saban Saban retired. He he didn't get fired. I think that's notable. Like he's still doing it, but I'm sure that sucks at this, at this, you know, that you have to deal with those people who have like huge, huge egos. Again, to go back to what I was thinking at the beginning, I'm like, Oh, you're still doing it. You should continue to do it. Like coach K, why did you need to retire? It's totally fine if they don't want to do it anymore. Um, I think max for you and the Patriots, that's gotta be really hard because I know they went to a Super Bowl at least once before that, and they've been okay in the past, but this is the person who's defined that culture, and he hasn't expressed that he doesn't want to coach anymore, but a lot of people are saying, should you be coaching anymore? And that feels like a different level of discomfort. Yeah, I I mean, maybe I haven't fully processed it it's hard to say like since Brady left seeing optimism in that team has been 
uh, hard. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I would understand uh, going in a different direction. Um, but he has built up this kind of the, the do your job culture comes from Bill Belichick primarily. And um, I am curious if a, if a new coach would, I mean, presumably they would change that. They would want to change that. They would want to change the culture of the team. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I also think that it, it's interesting with professional sports because this uh, sort of the Cowboys aside, but also maybe not, um, you, you know, the Alabama head coach job and the, the North Carolina head coach job, they've, They've been really big deals for a long time. Now, are those somewhat defined by people like Dean Smith and and Bear Bryant because they were the first ones who made it a thing? M- maybe, but like these are traditional powerhouses and there is an amount of cachet that goes with that. With professional sports, it does get washed out. Actually, the better example may be the Steelers because they've had three coaches in in like 60 years at this point it's a really long time um now that might be ownership like really trusting but i do i do also think of you know at this situation that you're kind of dealing with or potentially dealing with max when joe tory was fired from the yankees i just want to point out that they've that they've won one championship since then and otherwise have been kind of sad and it it feels a lot like the cowboys which is there are these expectations because of the name but it's not like college where it's like okay we can shake it out and we can we can get to 10 wins or whatever and if we don't we we fire the guy it it does it does feel a little bit different in in pro sports and so it may be that the patriots go back to being you know an okay team um and and just you know the cycle it'll be 20 years before they they get back to that Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're we're underestimating how much of a cauldron these jobs are. The Alabama job is totally unreasonable. Um, mm-hmm. Their their boosters and their fans are certifiable. They're all insane, um, and I I think. It would not have been at all off the table if some balls had bounced the other way and Alabama had gone, say, nine and three instead of going eleven and one and beating Georgia in the SEC championship and making it to the playoff. Like I do think there's a real possibility that you would have seen Saban get forced out. Um I mean, we don't know that he didn't. I mean, it's reported that he he's. You know, <clears throat> I have a I have a tough time believing that after that it was a a, a, a quasi firing after the yeah. way the season ended, uh, where they went on a really great run late and seemed like they were kind of hitting their stride and were a yard away from forcing another overtime like i don't don't know i i maybe maybe uh yeah i to to i'm I'm thinking back this divide of like pro and and uh college sports and and i was i was looking through this we were talking and and i thought about bruce bochy with the the giants 
And if someone like that can get, you know, can stop coaching the Giants after a, a tremendous stretch of time, um, like that's that's kind of pro sports. Like there's so much, there's money involved in such a way and in, in different people that like you don't have, you can't have that that long view, I guess. And I don't know. I think that that's, that's interesting here. And it's, it's worth celebrating that, that the Patriots have had their run for however frustrating and, uh, you know, the do your job mentality, all that stuff can sound like that's really hard to do. And at the same time, I think about Brad Stevens going, I'm like 12 years old. I've been coaching for 47 years yeah. or it feels like that. And I want to, I want to do a different job because I think I can do it well. And, um, I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to be a coach. And if I was a coach, I'd probably want to do something different after like 10 years of doing it well. Yeah. Like, do I think Mike McDaniel is going to be a coach when he's 72? Uh, just hard to, hard to imagine, but you know, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't he, know he's going to, he's going to die popcorn lung. <laughs> yeah. Or just forgetting to bathe. He'll like get something on him and it'll make him really sick oh, since that's a thing. I mean, yeah. Coaching, uh, you know, Joe, the whole thing with like Joe Gibbs back in the day is like, oh, well, he has caught in his office. It's like, that's no way to live. <laughs> and and Joe Gibbs came back and coached when he was, you know, after he'd been retired forever. And it's just, this is such a weird, it's such a weird thing to do. And um, I don't know, more people should stop doing it. That's from my view. Like, you're, I'm not, you're not beholden to me. You've done a great job entertaining me, Nick Saban. Yeah. I mean, my, and my humble advice to anyone who is offered the Alabama job would be, dear God, do not take it. Yeah. Do not take it for all the money in the world. Yeah. Uh, take it, but just get yourself fired in the first year. But there's yeah, no, like all the no, money no, in the world. I, I don't know. I, I would do it for one year for 20 million bucks. I, as soon as you lose a couple games, you're gonna have fans throwing bricks through your windows. That's a thing yeah, that's that happened. Fine. Yeah, just live somewhere, live somewhere else. Fly to the gate, fly to work every day. <laughs> yeah, so that, that kind of access to Dreamland is, is worth a good amount to me. Well, you know, probably by the time this comes out, we'll know how much it was worth to Lane Kiffin. That's what I gotta say. No, uh, you, I, really, it, really the. Of, what 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 in his public life you know strikes you as reason to believe Lane Kiffin would be in a in in anything other than a fantastical fantastical world of fiction in which this is actually real oh i i'm not i am not saying that Lane Kiffin wouldn't take the job if he were offered it i am saying that Alabama is not going to offer the job to a former coordinator that they fired before a national championship game. Yeah, well, I I know that SEC football is not a rational thing, so I just, um, you know, if if he did bilk Ole Miss into giving him more money with just the rumor of the Auburn job last year, so I, I, we'll we'll see. I, and then he won eleven games. I just want it to be Dabo because I fucking hate Dabo Swinney. And oh, that would I be. Want this, that would be I want great. that job to grind him into a fine paste. Yeah, that would be that would so. be cool. Okay, well, we all have stuff to root for. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's let's wrap it up there and and move to Pierce's sorry. Yeah, so I I don't even know what I was 
I was listening to the other day. But I was listening to music and I was trying to remember a band that I hadn't listened to in a while. And and fortunately, I guess through the power of Spotify, I was able to go to related artists and, and figure out who it was. And and this is this is of course a self-apology, as they all are, but but also I am I am sorry to the band Cloud Nothings, which at least one of you is probably familiar with. And, you know, it, as happens in in the new year, you, you might revisit some of your habits and rethink them in some ways. And I allowed myself to listen to Cloud Nothings, but I hadn't for a long time. And when I say a long time, I mean like probably close to a decade because I had this idea that when I listen to that music, I am upset. And the truth is, is there was a, a there is a version, there is an earlier version of me that gets upset in listening to them for ways that maybe I don't even remember anymore. But like I have that memory of being upset listening to them. And I listened to it yesterday, and I feel rather stupid for for not doing that. One, I they're a very solid band. And I know that they at least previously have toured a lot. And I didn't go and see them because I thought, oh, no, I will be upset or sad or whatever by going to see them. And so, I, you know, I'm sorry to Cloud Nothings for not spending money on, on their music and their shows and their merchandise over the years. And I, I, I need to allow myself some some grace and say it's, it's OK to go back and, and listen to stuff. It's been a long time and just kind of. If you didn't like pickles when you were six, you might like them now. Um, and because you remember that that you know taste or whatever, you've grown a lot, and you have to you have to give yourself space to grow. And I didn't do that, so sorry, Cloud Nothings. Okay. Um, in the interest <laughs> of time, uh, my big idea from pop culture this week is that we are launching a new trivia format in 2024 yeah. with our new host. What? So I'll just go ahead and kick it over to Kevin. All right. Yeah. Well, I was the big loser <laughs> last year. So, um, yeah, I was too, too lazy to always come up with my own trivia question. So I figured that we would just hijack the wonderful game of jeopardy. We talked about jeopardy, uh, I think a few months ago, uh, and it's the best game show of all time. And they've got a a great trivia format I think we can adopt for the year. So it's going to be a, um, you know, a bidding system uh, that we track throughout the year. Uh, Everyone's going to start with 100 points. And um, to kind of just avoid anyone getting too down to, you know, within a month, uh, it's not allowed. You're not allowed to drop below zero and you can wager up to 100 no matter what your score or you can wager at least 100 no matter what your score is. Um, so, um, you know, the power of exponential growth, if someone really goes on a run, um, maybe they can get quite the lead halfway through the year, you know, we can adjust things as needed. Um, we tried a bit of a rubber banding approach last year, but I couldn't (laughs) even get the video game question, right? So (laughs) we'll see what happens. But, um, anyway, um, so the first question of the, of the year, um, the category is state capital. So uh, everyone kind of tells me their wager before, after I give them the category um, off the mic and, um, and then they'll get 30 seconds to answer the question. So your um, first question, state capitals, the two closest state capitals at about 40 miles apart 
one was founded by someone no longer allowed in the other. Hmm. All right, so now we can um, go through and uh, everyone can tell what they what they wagered and uh, and their answer. And then after everyone answers, I will reveal the correct answer. So normally we'll start with whoever's in um, last place, like they do on the show. But everyone kind of starts with um, 100 points this year. So let's uh, we'll just start with um, the biggest wagerer, Sean. I uh, yeah. So I. I... <laughs> I'm generally very confident about things with state capitals. And so as soon as I heard the category, uh, I wagered the full hundred <laughs> wanting to jump out to a lead. Uh, and I answered uh, Concord, New Hampshire and Montpelier, Vermont, because they're two they're two smallish states jammed up together in the northeast. Um, but I am almost certain that that is wrong. Okay, Pierce. So I had the same thought as Sean, but I did not remember the capitals of Vermont, New Hampshire. So I put Burlington and Manchester, which I want to look up after this and see how close they are because they're probably not even close. I but think I they're like, about the same distance as uh, it's actually probably farther than Montpelier and Concord. Okay. Max. And I bid yeah. 33. So I wagered 25 points. And I texted Mark. you two answers. <laughs> so I think I have to go with my first one, which was Providence, Rhode Island, and Hartford, Connecticut. But then I changed Hartford to Boston, if it matters. Well, it does not matter. The The correct answer is indeed Boston and Providence. Roger Williams was kicked out of Boston. I, I knew Roger Williams wasn't allowed in either, but I wasn't sure which one was closer. I've done that train <laughs> between Boston and Providence so many times. It's a 20-minute train ride. Man. Pretty upset with myself for sending you the correct answer about ten seconds later, but the logic yeah, was well, good. So, like, just didn't place yeah. it right. Yeah, well, the thing that's great about about Jeopardy is, or the final Jeopardy is, there's usually like two or three clues within the clue, so you could know it just by knowing the two closest state capitals, or you could think about the American history behind it, and um, sometimes even if you're not positive, you that would require knowing the it. American history behind it. Sure. Yeah. I just mean, and we'll see. We'll see throughout the year. Um, so anyway, everyone misses the first question, so I'll have to uh, see if Love I can it. get a bit more. Get get a bit more money, but Sean, that I means guess that I still you're... win by wagering the least. <laughs> yeah, so but Sean, you you had the big wager, but it didn't, uh, it's not gonna not gonna cost you too much. So that's okay. I have a feeling I'm just gonna be wagering a hundred most weeks anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm going to steal from real Final Jeopardies. Sometimes I'll make my own. Cool. Probably mostly the former. So we'll see how this goes. All right. On that note, that's the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. You can subscribe to the show feed on your podcast app of choice. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Bye. I still shiver every time I hear